Hi, my name is Drew Georges. And I'm Tanuja Ramchow. This is Seek Human Spaces podcast where we explore how to embrace our humanness while smashing oppressive norms. Today, Drew and I are going to be exploring the challenges men of color face. And thank you for being here, Drew. I'm so excited to talk uh, to you about this topic. I know you co-facilitate sessions for the UMLA. So tell us a, a little bit about that and also tell us what UMLA is. Yeah, absolutely. And Tanusha, thank you again for, for having me. Like I was telling you earlier, it feels like I'm on uh, Good Morning America with, with the Seek podcast. This is really a full circle moment. So I'm I'm Drew Georges. I'll, I'll just do a brief intro. I'm Drew Georges. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, my family and I are of Haitian descent. And uh, I'm a Baruch College and SEEK alum, to your point, currently uh, working on some program development at the UMLA or the Urban Male Leadership Academy. And essentially what the UMLA is, is uh, it's, it's an opportunity program for men of color that focuses on academic and professional support. And you know, one of the main goals is how do we increase the retention rates and how do we increase the graduation rates of men of color? And so with that tall of a mission, um, you know, we do this through, through a number of, of ways, one of which includes the Friday workshops that we have a couple of times a semester, kind of talking through some really important uh, conversations, which we'll talk about today. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's some of what I do. And I, I'll say that, you know, some other powerful leaders in the space like Sasha. And then we also work with uh, Dr. Thompson um, who, who, who are really at the forefront. And, and I'm just sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm support, I'm supporting the, the mission, but um, I'd be remiss if I didn't also give Dr. Thompson and Sasha their, their shine as well. Yeah. Thank you for that. Drew, let me ask you, first of all, what does it mean to be a man to you? And then what does it mean to be a man of color? Yeah, so a man to to me and my definition, I, I think about integrity and I think about authenticity. And when I say integrity, I just mean that what you say you're going to do uh, in the conversations that you have with yourself, you actually strive to do those things to the best of your ability. And then externally facing the things that you tell people you're going to do, you strive to do them to the best of your ability. Now, if we if we go to the authenticity side, I look at that as being your true self. You know, I think there's certain roles that we are assigned or certain expectations that's placed on men and, and men of color too, right? If you talk about like being strong or just, you know, being the protector, I agree with all those things, but I also feel like for me, being a man and being a man of color is living in my authentic truth, which means that, you know, if I have an interest that's kind of outside of those norms or outside of what's assigned to me, it's okay to to explore that. Like being maybe vulnerable sometimes or being interested in, uh, you know, fashion or being interested in my in, in my appearance those things that I think for a while and maybe not so much today but for a while um it was kind of frowned upon to do as, as a man so 
Um, that's that's my short definition, and I'm sure we'll go into those a little bit more. But yeah, for me, it's the two words that kind of come to mind, uh, both as a man and man of color, uh, is integrity and uh, authenticity. Mm -hmm. And yeah, those norms, they come from the patriarchy. What men feel that they should conform to in order to be a real man right sure. and when you add you know being a black man like yourself or add being a man of color on top of that how does that expand that definition what changes from a man to a man of color is more of like the external noise because there are some things that uh you know other communities have normalized um or other communities have sanctioned uh, to be okay whereas like if you look at the black community sometimes you know there, there's there's other things that uh, aren't normalized or that that might look different right but that has nothing to do with me necessarily um, right I'm, I'm still regardless of man or man of color I'm still focusing on integrity I'm still focusing on authenticity uh, but I do think it changes externally yeah, that's, that's what I would say the main change is. Yeah, I mean, even the way society as a whole view, say, white men versus the way they view yeah. men of color, it's different. It's and, different. Yeah. It's yeah. different. I think just to, just to go further, if I can, into like a specific example. And again, these are all, you know, my experiences. I want to be mindful of making like blanket statements or generalizations, but showing emotion or showing vulnerability, I think as a black man, there's a little bit more resistance when it comes to that from from uh, society and from the external noise. And there's and, and the other thing that I was thinking about too is another part of emotion is, for example, when you when you see another man and you might like his outfit or you might like his sneakers, right? Compliments. Um, that's something that I think is pretty, again, my experience, it's weird. Like, it's not something that you necessarily do. And you can see that sometimes in the way that we, like men, men of color compliment each other, right? Like we can't, we, we kind of use these words to like dance around what we actually want to say instead of just being direct and just being like, hey, I, I really like those shoes. I really like that shirt. I really like that outfit. Even me saying this right now feels a little bit awkward, right? Because it's been conditioned that like, you know, you, you don't really, you don't really do those things. Mm -hmm. And it, it's interesting because you even talk about like the, the complimenting somebody and that feels awkward. Like, why yeah. is that? Why is that so awkward for men? I, I think the simple answer is we just don't have enough practice doing it. To me, that's why it's awkward because I don't know where this rule kind of came from or like who created this rule. But as far as I can remember, you know, you don't you don't really you know, you don't really tell other people that you like what they have. You like what they're doing. And I think it's especially present like in in my community. Right. Growing up, I never saw and never heard somebody say like, Hey, like I'm so proud of you, or I love you, know, you. And yeah, like I love you. Um, I mean, it's 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 deeply rooted. But the the short answer, I think, is that we just haven't seen it um, yeah. before, and so now we're growing up, 
and we're conditioning ourselves to to not say anything. And even if you if something does come to mind, you'd rather withhold that information because it's more comfortable to to keep it close to your chest. Um, mm. to keep that information close to your chest as opposed to telling somebody like, hey, like those are really cool. That's a really cool hat. You know what I mean? And, and I'm using trivial examples, but I think like the trivial examples show the magnitude of this challenge or of this issue, right? Because if I can't even tell somebody that I like his hat, why would I tell him that I, I love him or I love what he's doing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, not really sure where where it came from, who 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 created the rules, but as far as I can remember, that's just something that you that you don't do. And I've had to actively unlearn that and challenge myself to 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 speak out and and say those things, you know, when when I feel like I I see something that's worth worth noting. Right, and that must be so hard to just go against the conditioning because what I think of is like connection, right? For for us to have authentic connection, we have to be honest with each other. And if mm-hmm. it's so difficult to just tell somebody how you feel about, right. you know, something as basic as what they're wearing, mm-hmm. right? Um, because I feel for men that maybe what 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 the conditioning is is that you don't want to expose yourself to mm-hmm. you know, and perhaps like saying those things and being vulnerable. I mean, even the word being vulnerable, yeah. right? It's like you're yeah. you're exposing yourself to threat. And for men, then no longer are you manly if you say something like that. And I, I was reading something um, a few months ago where there there's this activist and, and she said, we train men not mm-hmm. to be like girls. And we train girls not to like themselves. And and <laughs> when you were saying that, it 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 made me uh, think like you know we're all trained to not be like girls, right? right. Even girls, and yeah. maybe like just even sharing uh, in a way that uh, that tells somebody that I care about you or give them a compliment might Absolutely. feel more feminine, even though yeah. it's not. It's just yeah. you being human. But how in order to fit that mold of being a man and the challenges that come with that in terms of connection and in terms of having meaningful relationships. Yeah, absolutely. That that resonates a lot with me and it, it sparked a, another thought. I, lo- I love I love the back and forth. It sparked another thought. You said that, you know, essentially men might feel like it exposes them. And I, th- I think part of that is is 100 percent true. Um because as a man, you know, sometimes it feels like you have to have everything figured out or you have to be the best at whatever domain um, you're doing or just be the best at, at everything, right? Like you have to constantly be on top and have it figured out. So if you tell somebody, hey, I like your hat, I like your shirt, or, you know, I like what you're doing, I like your movement, that could come off as, it's better than what me. It's better than my hat. It's better. So than I'm not good hat. enough. I'm not good enough. And and that's that's just that couldn't be more of a myth. You know, um, we don't have to live in extremes where it's either or. Like either your hat is good or my hat is good. Right? No. Like both hats could be could be cool. Yeah, I I think that's that's also um, part of it. And and actually, it connects to an idea that we were talking about in the 
UMLA workshop, this idea of you know socialization, which is a way of thinking or a way of, of conducting yourself based on what society has conditioned you to think is the right way to do things. And in unpacking socialization, one of the examples that we used or one of the things that we spoke about was uh, this idea of like having conversations with with other men or connecting with with other men and how we've been socialized essentially to stay away from from being vulnerable, from speaking out, from from compliments, from showing emotion, et cetera. And it was interesting to see these young men of color, uh, a lot of them not even realize some of the things that feel so normal to them because since the beginning of time, you know, that's that's just kind of like what they know. They don't they don't have a lot of examples of some of another man telling another man that I like that hat or I like the I like those clothes. I like what you're doing so much so that like when we were talking about that topic, they were chuckling. It was funny to a lot of them because because it's just something that you just don't do, you know. Um, so that's that's definitely yeah, that's definitely an interesting one. Yeah. First of all, the fact that that you grew up in a society like this, I mean, first that's the socialization right there. Like you don't, you know, if if it's not normal and you're going to be rejected for being honest, well, mm -hmm. you might as well keep these things to yourself. But also when you say be the best, like I I've that's something that's that's a an idea I've been thinking about as well. How our society conditions us to believe that we have to just be the best at everything. Mm -hmm. And where does that idea of the best come from? Who defined that this is the best, right? And it, and it's like, you have to be always on your A game. Mm -hmm. And that's not human at all, right? There's space for it all. And that's the whole point of being human is that you express yourself. And like, I, I think of like Michael Jackson singing a song doesn't prevent Prince from singing a great right. song, right? right? It's not... How do you how do you say it's the best or not? And it's also these, um, you know, these markers that we use to measure things as the best. And where do they come from? Right. Typically in our society is from the white patriarchy. This is the best. This is the standard. And we've talked on other podcast episodes about this in terms of like the standards of professionalism. And, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of challenges for men, I coach MBA students, for example, and when I do orientation with these students and I ask them, when you think of an MBA graduate, what do you think of? And they say like a man in a suit that's serious. Like mm -hmm. that's the idea. That's the standard. And I'm like, are you a man in a suit? And these are even, you know, people who identify as women. Are you a man in a suit who's serious? And they're like, no. So I'm like, you're also setting yourself up for failure because that's like an impossible standard right there because right. that's you're just a human and it's a degree that you you have and when you start taking on like these you know identities that you have to fit into how dehumanizing it becomes and I think for men we often think that the patriarchy is designed for men but it also traps them yes into these absolutely. roles absolutely um and it's funny that you mentioned the the last part about, um, you know, what do you, what, what's the first image that comes to your mind when you think about an MBA graduate? Because my girlfriend and I were talking about um, a similar exercise and 
I, I, I don't I don't recall the full the full exercise, but essentially she was at work. You know, she was hosting a workshop and they were trying to address like unconscious bias or just get people to be more aware of some of the unrealistic expectations that they have, the un unconscious bias that they have. And the question that they asked was like, I think it was close your eyes and I'm going to say some professions and then tell me you know, who, who, what's the first image that kind of like comes to your mind. And so they went through a few different professions and then they said uh, pilot. And then a lot of people agreed that like a white male just came to mind as a pilot. And and it's so interesting when, when we do these exercises, because again, it, it feels, it, it might feel trivial, um, but it, I think it just speaks to, just kind of where we are at in, in a society, right? Like even with professions we have placed um, or we, we expect to see certain people there, which discounts ourselves from aspiring to do some of, some of these professions. And, and that kind of relates to just ways of thinking or ways of operating in a society too. Uh, it, it extends beyond the profession because you're probably telling yourself that, you know, I can't be happy or I can't do this, I can't do this. Is, is not your fault. It's just kind of like what what we have been told. Like you mentioned, the patriarchy, right? So that that was definitely an interesting uh, an interesting exercise. And you mentioned uh, several challenges, not being able to be vulnerable. Um, mm -hmm. You know how also we hold back on the authenticity. And I think you know, in terms of, I mean, the result is that we're also not connecting uh, with mm -hmm. somebody, like truly connecting with somebody. It's the surface level connection. What do you think are some of the other challenges men of color face? I, I think, especially, and this relates to some of the UMLA guys, right? Like the, the experience they'll have um, and why the work that I do um, is so important with the UMLA. Uh, but the reality is, and, and and I used to be in corporate America myself, right? I was working in tech um, at Google and Poshmark, which is arguably you know one of the more progressive spaces to be in, right? If you think about corporate America um, in general, right? Uh, but I think a, a challenge that they will face is going into spaces that number one, just aren't designed for them or, um, you know, there's not a lot of people that that look like them. Like I remember being at Google and uh, they had posted the annual diversity reports. And um, I don't remember how many employees there were at the time, but I, I believe it was in the ballpark of 100,000 globally at that time or in that general area. I, I vividly remember seeing that there was like 2.4% black people at, at the company. And and this is not, this is not black men, by the way, this is black people. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so if we dive deeper into that 2.4%, which I, I don't, I don't know if, if, if that data was available, but it obviously that just means that there's less than 2.4% black men in these spaces. And so, you know, if, if we think about how people do well, how people are at peace, like a lot of times, you know, it's through community support, right? I'm sure we all have heard the saying, like it takes a village to to kind of to kind of um, get you to where you want to go, or on days where things are feeling difficult. 
So if we consider that it takes a village, but then there's less than 2.4% people that look like you, you know, how are you supposed to go through the promotions and, and, um, you know, Excel or connect with your manager. And it's not to say that somebody has to look like you in order to relate to you because we all have different experiences. But I think that there is merit in, in being in a space where you can identify, um, uh, with some of the people in in those spaces, based on like how you look and and the communities that you that you come from, right? Like that does bring harmony into uh, into a space, and and that's a lot of what we um, that we communicate to the guys in the uh, in the UMLA, just kind of letting them know that like these workshops that we're having, where we're where we're sitting down together in a circle and and talking about these very heavy topics, like. You know, don't take this for granted because once you leave Baruch, like this is pretty much non-existent. You know, um, and, and some of them, some of them, they they get it, and there's that awareness. Um, but for some of them, and even myself, it's not that I don't want to get it; it's that I haven't yet experienced the the outside world to 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 that degree to fully realize that like wow okay there's 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 not a lot of spaces that that look like me so to answer your question i would say being in a world where like as you start to uh succeed quote unquote and and i put the word succeed in quotes that's a whole other conversation right but for the sake of this 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 point that i'm making as you start to succeed and as you start to kind of grow in your career you're going to more times than not be the only person that that looks like you. And here's the other thing too. Even when someone looks like you, the experiences can be vastly different. Although society tries to just like map us or bucket us all into one. And, I, and I'm speaking firsthand because I remember being at Google and um, you know, I was in the Ann Arbor, Michigan office, and a lot of the black people that were in that office were actually African American. So while our colleagues might look at us as the same, I'm Caribbean. But simple things is like, you know, food. And, and honestly, I shouldn't even say simple, but things like food, uh, music, parties, right? some of what we did growing up, like there is overlap, but it's also like vastly different because when I go to a party and I'm expecting to hear Vibes Cartel, like they're not expecting to hear that, right? I have a friend who's from Chicago and he's 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 hoping to hear you know your Chiefs Keys your 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 Jay Z's your Fifty Cent and 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 we I like that music too right but there's there's another component to it like the reggae's the the soca's right I'm I'm from I'm from the neighborhood where every year on Eastern Parkway people had their flag yeah, and, my shell Montano yeah, coming you know what I mean <laughs> isn't it right so so now let's go back to that two point four percent number right. Let's just say 1.5% was men. So of that 1.5%, we got to think about where these Black people are actually from. So now the number, basically the number is just getting lower and lower and lower to the point where it's like maybe 0.5% of people look like you, come from a similar environment that you do, and are kind of like on the same path as you. That's a major, major, major ta challenge. And that's why I tasked myself and why I felt kind of responsible to come back into the spaces that 
that I started in and and helped bring more awareness and help people understand like what they're going to go out there and face um, and create that support network and that support group to to help them combat some of those emotions, some of those challenges and help uplift them. Because the reality is without those spaces, you're kind of looking to your left, you're looking to your right, and there's not many people there. And and even when there are other people there, I, I, I always forget the definition, but um, there there might be people there to empathize with you, but then there's nobody to sympathize with you, right? And I forget which is which, but one, you, of course, you know, one is like somebody is there to support, but they've never actually experienced this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one is like, you know, they they they're they are there to support and they've experienced what you're going through. And I think sometimes sympathy is very, very much more comforting than, than empathy or whichever one is, which don't. Somebody who's <laughs> experienced it. And so yeah, I've been there. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Um, being in spaces that, that, that aren't designed for you, I think is another, is another big, big, big challenge that's on the horizon for a lot of people. And how many spaces are, in fact, if you look at the corporate world, are designed for men of color, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lot at all. And and the other thing too is like you might have somebody who who looks like you, but um, you know, it just is not aligned to your values and your missions. Likely, you will run into people who, you know, maybe they're in a senior leadership position, and sometimes. They're doing things subconsciously or consciously that don't align with who they were prior to coming into corporate America. But they've kind of like, you know, they have maybe bended or compromised some of their values and assimilated in exchange for this idea of uh, being successful. A lot of people assimilate in order to have that privilege where they Mm -hmm. become for some people, it's not really conscious. They just do this because that's what they think they need to do in order to be successful. And yeah, one can argue that that's what you need to do in order to be successful in a white patriarchal society. You do. Fit, fit into those norms, right? You do. Yeah, and then I, I, I do it as well, um, right? Uh, there, there are moments where I do, excuse me, but I think uh, it, it's about having having that awareness, like you mentioned, in, to understand in what scenarios you won't do it so that you don't compromise your values and, and beliefs. Like I was having a conversation with the student the other day about that. He's like, you know, should I go into finance? Should I go into uh, investment banking? And, and and what do you think about this corporate space? And just kind of getting my opinion. And I was like, listen, if that's what your heart is and your interest is telling you to do, go for it. But also understand, or I should say, like, be very clear about what you are willing to accept, what you're not willing to accept, where you're willing to sacrifice, where you're not willing to sacrifice, so that when you do get to that crossroad of do I do I compromise my values for or in exchange to continue climbing this ladder or continue to be successful in white patriarchy, you have a very clearly defined answer because you took the time and you and you did your due diligence prior to entering that space to understand like what it is um, you're going to stand for um, and what does integrity and what does authenticity look like 
for you before before um, being faced with that with that dilemma. Yeah. And in the career process, I would say that a lot of um, organizations, when they come on campus, they're talking about diversity and and it can feel like, oh, I'm going to go into this organization and they want me to be part of it. But what yeah. you pointed out earlier, Drew, is like you go and you have to fit in, right? It's not an inclusive environment. It's not, there's not, it was not designed with people of color in mind. So mm-hmm. going into organizations like that to recognize that in order to get the privilege that others have, who it was designed for, you'll have to assimilate or your option is to leave, right? Or you can you can do something else. And I think another really important point, and this is actually something that we've seen in multiple episodes of this podcast come up was uh, the importance of community. And mm-hmm. I love what you're doing with UMLA in terms of creating these spaces where people can share vulnerably, be authentic. And at least if they have that, they know that's possible. Also, when they're going into these spaces and things feel off, it's not that, you know, you're starting to question yourself, like, what am I doing wrong? But you know that this is what's missing and it doesn't become this thing of where shame enters and people are trying to fix themselves and all of that. Because I say to people, uh, you know, all the time when I'm working with them, it's like, there's nothing wrong with you. And any system that's just trying to fix you and, and make you better you know, mm-hmm. is a system that's harmful to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the other things that we talk about, too, is to your point of there's nothing wrong with you, you know, just kind of taking that a step further. We also talk about two emotions or two ways of living can coexist, right? You don't need to be masculine or feminine, quote unquote, right? Like you can be both there's 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 nothing wrong with that and that's something that I struggled with growing up a little bit because uh, I remember when I was a kid I was like very into appearance and and that's kind of like where the interest in fashion kind of came from and I, I remember being told like men are not supposed to be like that into themselves or like that concerned about what they wear and so I, I kind of believed that for a little bit like I, I didn't believe it but I also did believe it because anytime an opportunity came up to express myself creatively through clothing or through a haircut, like that was always in the back of my mind. Like as a man, like I'm, I'm not supposed to do this right until I kind of, I had the breakthrough. <laughs> and then, you know, I realized that I can take on a lot of these roles that are assigned to me, right? Like, or that I assign to myself, the integrity, the, the authenticity, the being strong, the having it together, right? I can assign, I can take on some of those roles, but I could also, why not? Like, why not also, you know, express when I'm facing a challenge uh, with the right people, right? With the community, with the with the right circle, why not say those things too? Why not tell somebody else like, yo, I love that outfit, you know? <laughs> uh, why not? Why not do those things? It doesn't always have to be either or. It can, it can be and, like, these 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 approaches can coexist and have those genuine connections and as you were talking about like dressing and being uh, someone who is into fashion and I think of growing up in the Caribbean Mm -hmm. and it's a culture of like where if men did that they were laughed at like if men were into fashion and and the thing is I think as well like people think they have community when they can laugh at someone else like it just feels like we're we're bonding over that 
and yeah. or gossiping about someone you know behind their back it feels like yeah because we're all bonding we it, it but it's not real connection because also i've shared with you a video and in that video uh alok is somebody who embraces all kinds of fashion right, right. uh wears uh dresses and everything basically and how a lot of people if if you walk on the street like that they would turn and they would laugh and mm-hmm. why do they laugh is because they don't have that freedom to express themselves that way because they yeah. put themselves into the box of i'm a man and i'm a woman never ever questioning where did that come from like you know yeah. because it's a it's basically uh you've been assigned this at birth and you never really ever questioned it and i actually applaud anybody who questions that and says no i can wear whatever the hell i want because who says a dress is feminine and who says i mean it's clothing at the end of the day right oh. there's no there's not gender assigned to clothing but we also make oh if it's blue it's boy and if it's pink it's girl and real <laughs> men wear pink like this now the new thing right yeah. so because it's <laughs> like you have to justify wearing pink and it's like it's also silly because of these standards and these norms that have been created in terms of what a man should do and what a a woman should do when it's like at the end of the day again you're human mm-hmm. and if you're trying to be one or the other you know that's when you get into because now you have to go and find like what is the rule on this or what is the rule right. on on this and you're not living based on what we started out uh, talking about where you said like it's about integrity and authenticity anymore yeah. you're yeah. living based on what you need to do to fit in and i also understand why people do that because your survival depends on this and i know yeah. like coming from the caribbean this is something that that really does bother me a lot when you know you see people just La- like it, it's like everything is is this big joke and mm-hmm. everything is funny and it's like i think this is where they get this high and it's probably a high that they that they're going for because of how oppressed they are a hundred percent that's exactly what was coming to my mind as you were talking right sometimes the the laughter um is really just a projection of the prison that that they're in with themselves and 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 they they either know that consciously or it or it's subconscious because they wouldn't dare to wear certain things like earrings or whatever the case may be. But you know, to 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 that authenticity point, I feel like I I've I've taken that all the way. And now I just become like a troll in, in my family. Like even my mom tries to, you know, still check me sometimes about, for example, having having earrings as a man or having longer hair as a man. And I've just, because, you know, in order to cope with it, if you will, um, or in order to manage though, that friction, I, I've, I've turned to humor, which I think could be something that a lot of people <laughs> um, find, find valuable. But Basically, like sometimes I'll call her for, for like a Thanksgiving dinner, like when we're going to meet, uh, when we're going to have dinner with our family, and I'll just call my mom and, and I'll just be like, "Hey, which earrings should I wear today? Should I wear the black ones or should I wear the should should I wear the silver ones?" You know, and you know sometimes you just have to make humor out of out of situations and, and lighten the mood a little bit, and now. It's, it's I don't know it's it's like a it's like a joke between 
me and my mom, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I'm going to spaces that I know she wants me to like, to look a certain way or wear a suit and tie, like I'll just call her and I'll ask her, you know, like, should I, should I let my hair down today? Or like, what, what how do you want me to dress up today? <laughs> Even though ultimately I'm going to do whatever I want. What do and, you want? And of, yeah. course, of course you have to like be presentable, right? Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't think we should operate in extremes. You have to, if you're meeting context somebody is so important. Time, yeah, context is definitely important. So I, I don't, I don't want to overlook any of that, but I do think sometimes, you know, growing up or uh, in an immigrant uh, household or Caribbean household, uh, that was taken a little bit too extreme to the point where it's like, we're overlooking some things that actually matter, like somebody abusing their wife or somebody verbally abusing their children right like we're we don't we're not talking about those things but you're telling me that I can't wear an earring to this family dinner because such and such mom is gonna talk about you it's so interesting to see like how we treat people based on the accolades that they have because I remember you know, when I was like 16, 17, like some of my aunts would make these comments about me because I was always kind of like the rebellious one. And and then slowly over time, as I started to like buy my own car, like help my mom out financially, work in corporate America, like the, the energy changed every time I saw her. And it's almost like she had way more respect for me because I had all these accolades, but I'm the same person. Like, I'm really the same. Yes, I've grown and yes, I've become a little bit more mature. I'm still a troll. I'm still a kid at heart, you know, but it was so interesting to see that shift in like how, um, you know, because because we put such an emphasis on like the the, the accolades, you, you start to look at people differently um, than if I, you know, didn't have a car or if I didn't work these certain jobs. And sometimes I feel like, you know, we just need to take a step back and just like see people for for who they are and just allow them to express themselves, embrace them because they're stepping into a world. A lot of the men uh, of color that we work with in UMLA, they're coming from these environments, the Caribbean household or African household, et cetera. And, and the community needs to embrace them more than anything because they're already going to get a lot of that friction from the outside world. So, you know. I don't know. Right. It's complex, but uh, I, the point is, I turned to humor and I, I just I, I asked my mom, "What earrings should I wear?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the judgments are gonna be there, and the judgments are based again on the norms and the and the yeah. standards. And you know, one of the things that when when you when you spoke about your mom and having that conversation with her I thought yeah. about like you know also having compassion for people who are judging you and um, this is something Alok talks about as well it's that having the compassion to understand like where it's coming from and not take it personally because I think when we start taking it personally and we start internalizing it that's when we're going to try to change ourselves and all of that. But if you can have compassion and understand, and I think this is why education and awareness is so important in terms of understanding the systems which are at play 
and to understand how they influence people and the rules that you have to follow because career rules definitely are teaching you how to fit into the white patriarchy and mm-hmm. i you know one of the things i i talk a lot about is that you don't have to follow these uh, oppressive rules it doesn't mean that you don't follow them either it's like operate based on your authenticity and integrity it's like that that is you know use that in terms of when you're making decisions because if you are going to to start you know using rules that were not designed for you that's when it's going to be the imposter syndrome and you're going to second guess yourself and you're not going to trust yourself and all of that and I'm sure men of color and lots of people from other marginalized groups, you know, they're going to encounter these challenges. So it's to know that you are going to encounter it so that when you encounter it, that you don't start to believe that, hey, I need to change myself and I need to look this way or act this way or speak this way or all of, of those things. The music that you listen to is is good you know, the way that you wear your hair is good. If you wear, you know, red earrings or black earrings, that's (laughs) that's good. And it's to recognize that to be human, that you can do all of that. Like, you know, there's room for it all, as opposed to let's just box ourselves into this cage Mm -hmm. and think that is what it means to be successful. Because, yeah, that might get you privilege in society, but privilege doesn't mean that you're liberated. Yeah, privilege definitely doesn't mean that you're that you're liberated, and yeah, e- everything you're saying um, definitely resonates, and that's one of I think the the messages that I try to exude when when connecting with the UMLA guys, or just in general, is that you know the balance is is a thing. Um, I can be in corporate America and have the earrings on, right? Like it doesn't have to be either or but I, I i definitely uh resonate with a lot of what you said and a lot of what i saw on that podcast thank you again by the way for sending that to me i think alok made um so many great points and i actually sent it to one of my my friends i was like you have to watch this and i i was trying to summarize because obviously when you send something to somebody, they're like, oh, what's this about? And I was like, I don't even know how to put into words <laughs> what this is about because he uh, uh, or they rather uh, are just so eloquent. And some of the points that they made, I'm just like, I'm taking aback. Like, I don't even have anything to say to some of those points. So. We'll have to like, I don't know if we can link the, the podcast. Yeah, I'm going to add a link um, and you yeah. can also look up Alok Vaid Menon. Um, and yeah. as as Alok said in that podcast, I, I don't have to be this eloquent and brilliant for somebody to take me seriously, right? So that's also where you have to fit into the mold in that's order true. for people to yeah. listen to you. And it's, it really breaks my heart that this is what you need to do. This is the the additional work that you have to do as somebody who is in an oppressed group and certainly um, Alok being transgender, like faces it all, transgender, uh, person of color. And I'm going to share the link in the in the notes for this. But Drew, thank you. This was enlightening. I love having this conversation uh, with you and hopefully we can have you again at some point in the future. There's so much that we can talk about. But the, the last thing I'll say, too, is that uh, growing up Caribbean and growing up a man, growing up a man of color, um, I realized, uh, especially in, in my Caribbean household, that there were certain privileges that I had and there were certain double standards that I was 
I benefited from, right? And so man of color, I know we talked about some of the challenges and different hardships that come up, but I I recognize and I want to raise my hand and I say, I definitely got a pass <laughs> from my mom uh, on certain things. And after a while, I actually had to like to to address that with her because of, you know, the way she approached my sister versus the way she she approached me. So I'll, I'll just I'll stop there. That could so, be like uh, yeah, as, as you are as you are talking, I'm like thinking growing up Caribbean could be another podcast yeah, episode. Up, that, yeah, that's that's a, that's an episode um, within of itself. But the, I think the point is, you know, it's not it's, it's 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 balanced, right? There are some challenges that we face, but there are also some benefits and we have to we have to recognize those benefits too to figure out like how can we uh, take advantage or how can we leverage those benefits to 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 bring community and like help other people who who might not necessarily have as you are doing and thank you for that you've been listening to seek human spaces be sure to subscribe to be notified of new episodes catch you next time and remember to be human